Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by 12 by 12. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. I should know, I've been a member of 12 by 12 in previous years, and I love the community that exists there. Registration is only open in January and February, so visit 12by12challenge.com membership for more information. That's 12x12challenge.com slash membership for more information. Oh, it's super fun. But when we go outside as the sun is setting at whatever you said to, like 4.30, it gets so cold already. I'm like, oh no. It's terrible. It's terrible. I'm not about this life at all. <laughs> Please take it back. Uh, could, could, we could have just like sprang forward in the fall too. That would have been cool. That would have been all of it. All of it is cool. I don't like when we fall back because then the kids don't want to go to bed. I'm like, go to bed. It's time to go to bed. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 651. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner or on PayPal at paypal.me slash childrensbkpod if you want to support the show. Today I'm joined by Yesenia Moises. Yesenia is visiting today to share Stella's Stellar Hair, her debut picture book as both author and illustrator. There has been a surge of wonderful picture books featuring black girls and boys and centering on hair, thanks in part to the natural hair movement. Yesenia takes the topic interplanetary with, in her words, big hair and bright colors. The story is inspired by Yesenia's own hair journey and centers on Stella, a young girl preparing for the big star little gala, who visits her aunts on each of the different planets in order to try out their suggestions for how she should style her hair. This book is absolutely a delight for the eyes, and one that had me smiling page after page. I know your readers are going to love it up a whole lot as well. Please welcome my guest, Yesenia Moises, author, illustrator of Stella's Stellar Hair. 
My name is Yesenia Moises, and I am an Afro-Latina illustrator from the Bronx. My work involves uplifting people of diverse backgrounds and, fill- and putting them in worlds filled with big hair, bright colors, and lots of sazon from the heart. Ooh, Yesenia, that might have been the greatest introduction I have heard yet. I love it. No, oh, I was just I was just very quickly skimming my bio on my website. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you put time in early so that it could pay off now. No. Yeah. <laughs> I I um all giggles aside, despite having a fair number of giggles already before recording with you, I am really glad that you're here. I do love your work. I set off recording that I remember meeting your work in in um was it your debut as well? Was Honey Smoke your debut as well? Yes, Honey Smoke oh. was the very first like ever book I've ever worked on, period. What a debut. You and Monique made such a beautiful pairing in that book. I love the play of language and just how beautifully your your brush picked it up to carry it into the art. It was just it was a beautiful dance. It was wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I've never heard it put that way. Oh, I think that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm sure all readers do this. I can't be alone in this, of course. But but trying to read, trying to read every time as if it's the first time I've seen something, trying to follow words and really be aware of where my eye goes after that is a, is a fun thing to do when you have... <laughs> When you have work like you're putting in front of us, I'll put it that way. Um, I can tell the way that your readers love and interact with your art because I can feel my eyes moving the way that, that theirs do as well. Just trying to take in everything that you put on the page. And when I say that, I, I say that you you put a lot of dance and light and movement into your art. And it's it's really joyful and wonderful. Oh, oh, wow. Well, well, I mean, again, thank you. Thank I mean, you. This is, this is you, though, right? <laughs> saying, what did you say in your intro that you you love big hair and whatever the other words you used? I, I went right. colors and left there. of sasson from the heart. Sasson, that's it. Yes. The, the colors, we're going to get into I, I, this is This is like me putting cart before horse. But um, your colors, your colors glow. They are vibrant. They are wonderful and and they perfectly match well now these two books that that um bear your name but i'd love to talk about the the newest that brings us here today because it's your author illustrator debut would you mind sharing a little bit about what is stella's stellar hair what is this story how are you introducing it to folks oh okay okay well my elevator pitch for this one is that stellar stellar hair is about a young black girl who embarks on a journey across the solar system to get help with her hair from her nine fabulous space aunties. Was this? <laughs> okay. What is the origin of this book? <laughs> well, it started with, um, you know, my own personal hair journey. Your hair Since, journey. you know, growing up, my mom relaxed my hair a lot. So the big hair you see in like the photos, like my profile pictures and whatnot, that wasn't really a thing until maybe I want to say like five or six years ago. Since, you know, for the most part, you know, I was socialized to, you know, think that, you know, big hair was a little bit too much and needed to be tame and smooth to look professional. 
Mm. And so for most of my life, I just didn't see what my hair actually looked like. Like from the fourth grade until literally 2015. And so as I made that transition, I realized that there was something really wrong with having such negativity towards, you know, the hair that naturally grew out of my scalp. And as I went through the process of, you know, slowly cutting off, you know, the chemically treated hair and seeing people's reactions to my hair, some of which were positive, some of which not so much, I realized that it had been, you know, two over two decades since I was a kid. And this was still happening. Like children were probably still facing the same kinds of commentary or, you know, feeling like they needed to look a certain way in order to be treated well. And I just wanted to create a story that changed those perceptions a little bit with, you know, an intergalactic twist. (laughs) The intergalactic twist is brilliant in this the way that not only do we go visit these aunties on all of the different planets because you know we're getting ready for the big star little gala right we gotta we gotta get ready but the way that you bring personality and voice to each of those aunts the way that you bring a bit of i don't know flair from planetary flair there's the phrase the way you bring planetary flair from one place to the next, I'm specifically thinking of Neptune bringing all of this <laughs> this water, uh, or of, of, of these different, just the different planets bringing a little bit about what what they are, or what they might represent to kids who have uh, a knowledge of the universe or an interest or wondering in the universe. I, I like that that voice that you give um, to well to aunties but also to the hair itself to the styles to 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 all of that and and really to Stella reacting in that way of like no this isn't this isn't what's for me this doesn't feel right having that agency and that that uh quest to try to find what feels comfortable and what feels fitting and right I like that yeah, yeah. And that's something that I actually didn't get to do a whole lot of when I was a kid. Like, it was more like, well, this is what mom wanted to do. So that's what we're rolling with. That's probably and... what a lot of kids experience, though, right? I mean, yeah, I think we as parents, I I as, an, as, as a parent need to be mindful of like, how much am I really deciding for my children, <laughs> how they're walking through life? Mm-hmm. And how much am I really trying to give them space to, to find out how they want to walk through the world. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely wanted to, you know, give Stella the freedom to, you know, explore and, you know, see what was it that, you know, made her feel happy about her hair. Yeah. So the intergalactic tie-in, you, the, the way you use color to me shouts, like, these gorgeous pictures of the universe. It made... It made a lot of sense to see your art on a book about hair, but especially a book tying into the universe. Do you have 
does it come from just having an interest in the universe or just loving colors or just the the way that it worked out to have these nine different stops going through different hairstyles and exploring natural hair what where is the tie-in for the universe for you uh well i've always loved um lots of spacey kinds of things like when i was a kid i was really into science and then growing up it kind of fizzled out a little bit but i always loved you know the look of galaxies and stars and to this day like from when i was a kid to now i find it very strange to you know fall asleep in places where i don't have windows and can see like moonlight or the stars Hmm. like that's just something that i've always really loved and so you know i wanted to incorporate that love into the book you know by going to different exhibits and things at museums because you know especially here in new york you can have a lot of fun finding planetariums that you know will let you go and view their digitized version of the universe but it's still really beautiful Uh, i think about what it means to send a child into space in this way to give fantasy and wondering well also it also i also think about what it means for for my the 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 black girls that i teach to see themselves in a fantasy story um that that is an interstellar story i think about that as well but just that what it what it means to allow the universe to be i mean i'm also seeing these like great tonal connections of like you know you child contain multitudes and there's a universe inside of you so why not give you the universe as a as a family and as a place to explore yourself and i don't know how intentional that was in this or or not but there was just so many things in here yesenia i was saying this before recording too where i knew that there was going to be a lot of moments here where i have hang up on language because i haven't quite fully formed my opinion of your book in that there's so much i'm still discovering and still loving about this and having one of those like i know right moments with the readers that i share it with um that i i'm just it's that it's like we go to saturn and they're roller skating around the rings and we go to things like this where i'm like right do you see what's happening here that's just there's there's wonderful moments of of care and thought that i could see in here and it's it's just wonderful so if i'm in any way struggling over my words i hope you take it as as an expression of 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 me really loving and appreciating the work you did so much to the point that i just can't quite find the words to to do it justice no that that's totally okay like you know no judgment here I appreciate it so much. Thank you. <laughs> I seem to be a lot smoother talking to children than I am to adults. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. The, the, <laughs> the, um, the family that you bring into uh, Stella's life and the, the way that that you give her voice to say like what she's seeing auntie Solana and saying like my hair is just not acting right. It's been 
twisted and turned and twirled and swirled and uh, shifted and swayed and splished and splooshed. And it isn't at all what I wanted. I love that in that space, you have never at any point along here given her an adult that has said, this is the way your hair needs to be and you need to be happy with it. But rather you give her adult after adult saying, well, why don't we try this? And why don't we try that? And oh, maybe the way to solve it is to do it this way. And then quite beautifully, you you give her the son. You give her Auntie Solana saying, you know, there's really no such thing as hair not acting right. Your hair just wants to be a little more fun today. And that's okay. You don't have to change a thing. Just be yourself. And I wanted to read that aloud because, one, I think it's a profoundly beautiful thing for an adult to say to a child. And for a child to read this book and to hear that reader give those words to themselves, I think is also wonderful. But in talking to you, Yesenia, I'm realizing that in so many ways, those words are probably speaking back to to yourself to a degree as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're words that I definitely wish I would have heard a lot more growing up. Since growing up um, in a very Latin household, well, technically Hispanic, if we're being politically correct, but my mom's hair wasn't at all like mine. So, you know, there were a lot of things or reactions that she had to my hair that that confused me growing up it was like you know her hair had was the very loose body wave that you see in the telenovelas while mine you know needed to be tamed and you know smoothed out because it was very thick and unruly and those kinds of words they didn't really make sense to me but i went with it because well i guess this is what you're supposed to do with hair but growing up, I realized that that's not really okay. And I wish that, you know, I'd had someone who had hair like mine growing up tell me, like, hey, it's okay for your hair to be like this. Your hair just wants to have a little more fun. It's okay to be you. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from TeachingBooks.net. Teaching Books strives to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at TeachingBooks.net. I hope that the readers that find your book find that message more. I think I hope that the readers that find your book already have, uh, are already growing up in an environment where they're hearing that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I do that think that it's, um, yeah. oh, sorry. No, but I, I do just... think it's, it's, it's getting better. Like, you know, with the whole natural hair movement that started up a couple of years ago, not, not a couple years of what it got a lot more exposure is what I want to say because it's yeah. always been around 
it's always been around, but I think even especially in children's literature, we are starting to see more of that conversation being brought to children. And so that tells me you're right. It's always been around, but maybe the conversation is becoming a little bit more public or one that we are in- engaging with in a way with children that maybe we weren't engaging with children perhaps before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So you, um, first off, I, I envy you writing this book because I can only imagine your readers just will be sending you photos of their hair or meeting you over Zoom or in person once we're through all of this. Oh, and, my God. <laughs> and they'll be just meeting you and being like, let's talk about hair. And to know that the joy you put into this book, there's no way that they're going to be meeting a person that won't want to talk joyously about hair and affirm every different uh every different way that hair presents itself in that class of children that you're meeting. It just feels that way. But I want to step back for a moment and talk to you about how you make art and how you make art and how you make hair look the way it looks in this book, because you almost, you almost give hair the power to glow in this story because of the way you're using color, right? I mean, I'm thinking about (laughs) in the end when Stella's brushing her hair and you've got this, this wonderful, if I, if I I keep going, I love similarly, I love the universe. I love it for many different reasons. I love the feeling of staring up at stars. I grew up in central Pennsylvania. So we had some like big open sky places around my grandparents' house and the, the feeling of being out in a field and I would do like Cub Scouts and stuff. Right. And we would be out in a field and you would feel small under this giant sky. Right. So those are a lot of the feelings I pull in from the universe. And I love um, as I, as I grew older, starting to see those, those colorized um, photos from the Hubble space telescope of like, look at what the universe in the deepest parts of the universe that we've ever, ever looked Look at the, the, the beauty and the magnificence that we're seeing, right? And you have those colors in in Stella's hair, but also throughout the world of this book that you have like these deep purples with really bright yellows and, and pinks and whites or, or lighter yellows on top of that. And that to me gives me that feeling of, of looking at the universe, looking at those photos of of vibrance out you know in 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 places that we can't even see well with telescopes and yet there is light shining back and so when i say that about the hair glowing that's the that's the feeling that i feel like you you captured in your art and i'd love to just know how you made it or what things you studied to to make the art look this way or just i don't know what's your style yesenia i love your style what is this what is this (laughs) Well, to put it in simplest terms, uh, I guess you could say my style is an amalgamation of my feelings, if that makes any sense. It's your feelings. Well, your it's, feelings it's, are shining. <laughs> it's, it's more of, um, you know, my work is very impulsive. Most times when I start something, I don't know what it looks look like until I finish it. And a few years back, there was an, there's an artist. She goes by Lowish online. 
and she's like a very big artist that I've like been following since the Deviant Art days back in like 2009. <laughs> and she's still making art and she's still incredibly successful and I love everything she does. But there was an I think it on her website an FAQ or an interview where someone was asked her, "Hey, so how do you make your art?" And I was a college student at the time and what she had responded was that she makes her art based on like feelings or you know, just navigating the piece as it goes. And I remembered reading that and being like, so you're just not going to spill the tea is what you're saying, because that doesn't make any sense. But over the years, that's kind of what I'm doing now, where I'm making things based on how I feel and putting down strokes based on, you know, what feels like it should be as opposed to following a strict guideline or there's no script it's just what I feel on the page I think that that is probably what gives your art such a strong voice one but two such um such variance from page to page it feels like I don't talk about books, I think, often enough like this, but I feel like when a book really works well, you can almost, like, disassemble the entire book. If you could, like, unbind the book and just lay it out as one massively long strip of pages and just see a color story across it, I think the books that don't work tend to have a very bland color story, but the ones that do, it's almost as if you can see the story in colors. That reminds me of like, I don't know, maybe that's maybe part of that is coming from me watching Fantasia growing up, that Disney film where orchestration um, was set to animation. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I know what movie you're talking about. And I think concerts do this kind of thing, too, where I know for some friends that they go and they record their own videos, even though you're technically not supposed to, (laughs) but, you know, when they're looking through their camera roll they can remember exactly what song was playing when based on the colors of thumbnail. Yeah. Yep. Exactly like that. So when you're talking about um, creating art based on emotion or the moment or where maybe even we could say where the art feels like it's pulling you, where it feels like it's telling you to go. I can see that because of the, 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 the positioning you have of your characters of, of, of the way that everyone is in relation to one another and how that sort of informs what they're doing. I think about, let me flip back, I'm flipping through my digital arc. I'm looking at (laughs) Auntie Alma um, and having this wonderful golden forest of trees um, and seeing that movement in the background, but also of... um, of the small child at Auntie Alma's feet and, and how almost hair just goes right along with this forest as if she is just stepping out from that space and going into, I I already talked about Neptune, didn't I? And that flowing water. But I think about when we look at um, the twins, the twin aunties uh, and Uranus and how they're like paired on right and left. And they have almost this like, 
glowing, silvery, purple hair. Just the way that... The way that there's starlight woven into the things you're saying. I'm realizing, like, maybe that's what I'm running into, is even the words I'm coming up with to describe your art feel more feel more abstract, and that's probably the ineffable quality that makes it that I can't quite put words on it. But But that... I love how it glows, and I love in that way how you make hair glow and you make the way that we the way that we step in front of other people or the way that other people help us to step out into the world something to glow to shine to be noticed wow wow i think i might need to start describing my art the way you do <laughs> i am like flipping through it i'm sure it's picking up on the microphone that it's just like click click, click, the way that other times I know people can hear me flipping pages, but I'm just going, I'm, I'm like clicking quickly through your, your arc, clicking slowly and just noticing and noticing and noticing things. Uh, one of my favorite um, spreads that you have is the one that I read from Auntie Solana that, that talks about be yourself, but how you've got this, this gorgeous golden sunlight in the background and in her hair. But then she's holding Stella and Stella's hair um, waves, flows onto the the left page. Um, And it's just, your art's just beautiful, Yesenia. I mean, I just, maybe I just want to sit and say that. It's really, really beautiful art. Oh, thank you. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) I just need a moment. Folks, I just need a moment to say it. No, we, we can um, have a moment of silence. It's okay. Moment. Right. So so talk to me about how you make your art. Or do you work traditionally? Are are some of these colors coming out popping the way they are because it's digital? How how is this working? Okay, so I do make my art digitally, though it's not very strange to hear people ask if I do it traditionally. Since people seem to think that's a thing. It what? looks like, um, you know, the effect of, have you ever done crayon relief? That's what I was told it was called, crayon relief, which is when hmm. you draw with crayons and then you paint over it with watercolor and then the crayon, because it's wax, stays. And if you use the right color crayon, it sort of pops. And if you use like like lime green crayon, then you paint with purple watercolor paint. It makes the green somehow pop even brighter because of the contrast. Yeah, it that looks... contrast is probably because they're analogous colors. That so that that's the effect that you, I mean that's that's your knowledge of that's your artist knowledge, yay! <laughs> but um, that effect is one that that is just it's it's eye catching, isn't it? And if it's done well, then it's also not too much, and you you find that balance when you make it. So you say you work digitally, right? Do you, yes. Do you start with some base colors or just talk to me through this organic process, if you don't mind? Okay. Well, in the case of Stella's stellar hair, I did have to, you know, put down some rough colors to go back and forth with the editors. But in general, with my process, I'm more often than not starting off with a sketch. Hmm. I have a drawing, an idea. This is what I want to do. And sometimes I have, you know, sort of a direction that I want to go in with color. But most times, at best, I'll probably just be like, well, I want to use more of this color in my work, 
let's put it on the page and see what happens from there. And that, yeah, that, that trusting yourself just, do you, do you feel, okay, so this feels like art that you can be playing around with little details, adding on forever. Do yes. you feel that or do you, oh, oh yes. Okay, good. <laughs> then I'm reading it correctly. I was going to say, do you, do you feel like you're able to walk away? There's so much just frenetic energy in the, the little squiggles and twists and curls that you're using to give the hair texture, but also energy that it feels like it, it could be hard to walk away from a composition. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Sometimes it's, it's, it can be tough to feel like something is done, but more often than not, you do reach a point where it's like, okay, I can't keep noodling on this forever. Let me work on other things. <laughs> yeah. So, at what point in, in making art or in finding your voice or in doing this, at what point, Yesenia, did you feel like the audience you wanted to work for and work with was children? Well, I do include this information in a lot of my bios, but I don't really post as much stuff from it on social media, but I am a toy designer by trade. So I did go to school for toy design. Oh, cool. <laughs> did you work in toy design or did you? Because I know some people go to school for one thing and then end up finding that life has pushed them another direction. But well, did you... or- originally I wanted to be an illustrator, specifically for comics. But then going to school at FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology here in New York, I saw that they offered toy design and it looked like a lot of fun. It looked interesting. And at the time, my art style was super anime and manga influenced. And nice. <laughs> the teachers that I had in illustration were not very fond of that. Oh. But I saw that so many of the students that were in toy design were able to get away with it. And I was like, this looks like something I can do. Let's do that. That's wonderful. I've seen on your website, I'm, I'm remembering now, uh, I've seen some of the stuff that you've designed because I remember seeing um, play tents, which are something that my five-year-old is mega into. <laughs> so I remember seeing some of the designs you've done for like Frozen-esque castles and things like that. I um, I love that you've you've been drawn to working with children that that you made the transition though from toys to illustration do you still are you still in both do you have a foot in both worlds or do yeah, you feel at like this point, yeah. currently yeah, I, do, right? I have a foot in both worlds I still get reached out to by toy companies to work on stuff I get to work on really cool stuff but I can't show the world so the... very similar to the meme that you see sometimes on Twitter like my best work is under NDA ah. no one can see it and I don't know if they ever will oh no the just the the thought though that a a kid could be playing with some thing in some toy inhabited space that that has your fingerprints on it and then also that they could be like reading this book in that same space is kind of cool to know that you really are like in their world not just 
not not that it's just, but I'd say not just in their their story time and their reading time, but also you're you're sort of around their space. I love that. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. I, mean, I feel like, like I'm just cool, saying thank right? you all. All interview. This is this is me. No, what I mean, like, come on, like, I I always think about how cool it would be just to <laughs> often like, what if I just tore apart this picture book and glued it all over my wall? But to know that that's a choice. I mean, that's a choice. <laughs> but to meet someone, I guess, is more. I think it's more that I'm experiencing that. I don't think I've met a lot of folks that come from that world. So to to meet you, knowing that you came from that world, is just making my brain hop around all different places. Much like I've met a couple folks that used to work for greeting cards. And to think like you illustrate children's books or you write children's books and you work in greeting cards makes my brain do those gymnastics of what do these two things have in common? Oh, wow. They have more things in common than I realized before. I just never was put in a situation to think about the links before. So that's 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 where my brain is going right now. Fun, fun. Anyway. I um I really am delighted that we had a chance to talk about this book, and I uh, will quite look forward to connecting with you in the future uh, to talk more about <laughs> this book, <laughs> because I'm sure I'm going to be like <laughs> messaging you over Twitter or something, being like, so I read this book again to another group of children, <laughs> and we have these eight questions, <laughs> or we reacted this way or that way, which is just um, a delight to be able to to work with these children by day and to get to talk to folks like you by night and, and, and say to you, as I, as I said, I think a bunch, but just that I, I'm really grateful for this work that you're doing, Yesenia, because the, the book is beautiful and it's a lot of fun. And I see a lot of children in this book and I think they see themselves as well. Um, and it just makes me smile thinking of them and thinking of how much fun this book was to read. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. You're I, um, I, I want to give you a chance to speak directly to them. I feel like it's never fair that all I do is talk around and around them all this time. But, um, but how great it is to be able to end our time together by, by giving you the chance to speak directly to them. So I will see. A library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? All right. Well, I said zigs and zags, or makes lots of loopity loops and curly cues. Your hair is wonderfully out of this world. Never forget that it's nothing short of stellar. And that's our show for today. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. If you want to help support the show, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner, and your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. 
And as always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with your friends through Facebook or Twitter or word of mouth or really any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.